0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. One of the stories that hasn't gotten a lot of ink is how poorly the Republicans are doing on fundraising for congressional candidates. The political environment is awful, and I think this is one of the things dragging markets down.
1: When people say the market's bottoming out, to me that implies we'll have a big cyclical rebound, and that I don't see. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance,
0: and investment on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm David Gura in for Tom Keene. Going solo here for the final hour. The Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit ib at ibkr.com slash Forex. Wrapping up a week here with a lot of central banking news. The dollar continuing to be weak, heading the dollar index declining for the fifth straight day. It is down 0.47% at 93. The yen. Strengthening just a little bit here at 107.23, the euro and the pound weakening as well. Uh, Dave Wilson is here with a look at the markets here ahead of their open here, about 30 minutes away from the opening bell. Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks Editor.
2: Well, we got to start with Amazon.com if you want to talk about what's going on today. Uh, shares up 12%. First quarter sales and profit, topped analyst average estimates in a Bloomberg survey. The results showed robust demand for faster delivery of items bought online, along with cloud computing services and gadgets, such as the voice-activated home assistant, the Amazon Echo. It's also a big day for oil earnings. Uh, you've got ExxonMobil shares just up half a percent at the moment. Uh, even though earnings at the uh, company fell for the sixth straight quarter, and this decline was actually the biggest at 63%, uh, left Exxon with its smallest quarterly profit since 1999. I suppose the key here is that Exxon was profitable. Chevron was not. In fact, uh, Exxon's biggest U.S. rival posted a first quarter loss of $0.39 cents a share, which was more than double the la- average loss estimate among analysts we surveyed, and Chevron shares are down 1%. You also heard from Phillips 66. Down 3%. First quarter earnings dropped 61% as profit margins narrowed from oil refining and chemicals production. We've also had a number of uh, biotechnology company earnings out. Uh, Gilead Science is uh, down 5.5%. Uh, their revenue failed to meet the average projection for the first time in three years. Earnings also trailed estimates. The shortfalls resulted from disappointing sales of Gilead's block- blockbuster hepatitis C pills, Savaldi and Harvoni. Amgen, on the other hand, up a half a percent. Uh their first quarter earnings and revenue beat estimates, and Amgen raised its full-year profit projection and is up three and a half percent. The drug company's first quarter profit and sales surpassed estimates. BaxAlta, the target of a thirty-five billion dollar takeover offer from UK drug maker Shire. Moving to the online world. Expedia up 11%. The online travel agency reported a surprise first-quarter profit. Sales surpassed estimates. Expedia benefited from a takeover of home rental site HomeAway sooner than the company expected. And LinkedIn's up 7.5%. The professional networking website's first-quarter earnings and revenue bid estimates. LinkedIn's second-quarter profit forecast also topped projections. couple more for you, David. TiVo. Up 6%. The digital video recording pioneer accepted a takeover offer from Rovi, uh, provider of on-screen guides for television listings. The cash and stock deal valued at $1.1 billion. Uh, Rovi's share is also higher, up about 7%. And AK Steel Holding, the most active stock in early trading, down 9%. The steelmaker raised $229 million by selling the equivalent of a 22.5% stake. BMO Cattle Market said the share sale may prompt other metals and mining companies to follow suit.
0: Just really quickly here, Dave, looking at that Amazon number, everyone was focused on Amazon Web Services, the cloud computing portion of this, an amazing beat when you look at how fast that, that part of the business has grown.
2: Revenue up 64% from a year ago. We're talking about a billion dollars worth of increase there. Uh, profit surging even more than that. It, it's an area that doesn't require the kind of expense that goes into providing all these items online, you know, having to build distribution centers here, there, and everywhere. Uh, it, it's a less capital-intensive business, you might say, and Amazon is reaping the benefits of growth in that
0: area. All right, Dave Wilson, Bloomberg stocks editor, joining me here. really appreciate it. I want to turn now to Richard Dobbs. He's a director, a senior partner with McKinsey, and an author of a fascinating new report here called Diminishing Returns, Why Investors May Need to Lower Their Expectations. He joins us now here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Richard, good to have you with us. Good morning. I want to start with the, the, the thesis, if you will, that being – Investment returns over the next 20 years are likely to fall short of the returns of the 1985 to 2014 period. You kind of characterize that as a as a real golden age for a variety of reasons. And before we get into what what might be coming down the pike, talk a bit about what contributed to that level of growth, that level of investment return here over the last 30 years.
3: I mean, obviously, short term we have ups and downs in the market and there are lots of movements. What we're studying here is long term trends. Actually, you can link longer term trends much more to the global economy. And it's been a, it's been a, a wonderful, um, 30 year period in terms of the underlying trends that, uh, that have actually supported the growth. We've had our uh, falling inflation. Um, inflation effectively has been put, killed and that, that's helped, uh, provide a big uptick, particularly at the start of the period. We've had falling interest rates. Capital's become cr- progressively cheaper. We've had good GDP growth. For the vast majority of the period, um, global GDP growth is somewhere around 3.5%, and that's really helped power growth. And finally, corporations have done really well. Corporates have grown their profitability, their net income, 75% more than um, GDP because they've had the benefit of new customers around the world. They've had the benefit of automation and global supply chains bringing their costs down. And they've had falling taxes and falling interest rates. And all of that mixed together – means that the um, returns that we've seen in the last um, uh, the, the, the last 30 years for both equities and bonds have been on average uh, around 2% uh, for equities and uh, 4% for bonds, more than the 100-year average. So it's been a great period in terms of returns. Those, those
0: numbers are all real returns. Talk a bit about your process here, the, the numbers that you crunched. P.E. ratio is hugely important here uh, in the maths. Yep. Well,
3: you, could, you can work out what, what drives the P.E. ratio. It's a forward expectation of growth and return on invested capital. And so we built that up and we've looked at, you know, growth rates in comparison to GDP growth rates. And you can say, well, how much is GDP going to grow going forward? And we can get different scenarios. And then you can link that back to P.E. ratios and say, are we likely to get the same expansion of P.E. ratios or could P.E. ratios contract a bit? And, you know, we all know that the world is going to grow slower to begin with, Um, you know, in the short term because of secular stagnation and the problems of debt levels. And in the longer term, we're going to have the impact of the fact we're no longer growing our workforce globally. Now, obviously, some parts of the world will still be, but other parts are going to have a shrinking workforce. China is going to have 150 million fewer workers. So we're not going to have that benefit driving growth. And you can link that mathematically back to what does that mean for the the PE ratio, and, and so we can talk about, you know, how, how might that change and are we going to see any expansion going forward or are we going to see a contraction?
0: And, and that change in the employment picture, they're driven uh, largely by technology, in part by technology? Uh, well, technology is another factor.
3: I mean, if we, if we look going forward, I mean, there's going to be the, the, the basic thing on GDP growth is that we're actually going to be having a shrinking number of workers in many countries because of falling fertility rates or aging. I mean, you know, we, we, if you think about it, countries like China, because of the single child policy coming through, when the single child, single children all retire, they're going to have fewer children. And, and you can see that sort of coming through, and there will be 150 million w- fewer working age people. Now, technology is another factor. Com- technology is going to change the nature of competition. Um, companies are going to be um, uh, competing with technology companies doing step-outs, and the step-out companies are going to create a lot of value, but typically they destroy, four times as much or five times as much in the industries they disrupt. We're also going to see technology allowing small and medium-sized enterprises to compete globally. A small enterprise historically couldn't compete with a large company, but I bought the other day as just an example. I bought some garden seeds on Amazon. When they arrived, I actually realized I hadn't bought them on, on Amazon. I bought them on Amazon Marketplace and it was from a small enterprise in China that was selling globally <laughs> and being able to compete. If you think about it there, you know, and this, we, we, you see it with Alibaba and others as well. We're now seeing these small enterprises compete with large ones. But these guys have a very different cost structure. I mean, these seeds were in Britain. They were a pound a package. You know, my local garden center was five pounds a packet for similar seeds because, it, you know, it's a different structure and these small enterprises can compete or You think about people with Airbnb being able to compete with the um, big established hotel chain. So we're seeing that happening. We're also seeing the rise of emerging market companies. And these companies are much less concerned about return on investor capital, much more about growth. And when these companies come in, that's going to be a drag on profitability. So when you put all that together, we don't think corporate profitability is going to go up nearly as fast. GDP is going up less fast. Corporate profitability is going up up less fast. So that means less. In the, in the long run, less equity returns.
0: We're going to keep talking to you here in the, in the next portion of the show, but before we get to the break, I want to ask you, you, you looked here at the U.S. and, and Europe. Uh, they're pretty similar?
3: Uh, yes, uh, actually more similar than we thought, And partially, because, of course, you know U.S. companies now, when you look at most large you know, U.S. companies, they actually have a big business in Europe, and that's similarly in the European. So, so we're actually seeing a much greater convergence between those two markets than we'd actually expected. Um, but, but when you actually get behind the underlying sales, you find that there is that, different, uh, that, that that similarity.
0: All right, Richard, stay with us. That's Richard Dobbs. He's a director at McKinsey, the author of a new report, Diminishing Returns, Why Investors Need to Lower Their Expectations. A fascinating new report we're going to continue talking to him about here on Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm David Gurra, in for Tom Keene and Mike McKee today, just taking a quick look at futures here. They're continuing to weaken. We're looking at the Dow down 62 points. The Nasdaq uh, futures down 20 points. S&P, S&P down 7. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Now to Michael Barr for some national and international headlines. David, thank you very much. There's word rebels have shelled a mosque in a government-held area of the northern Assyrian city of Aleppo. At least 15 people are dead and 30 others are wounded. This morning's assaults came after Friday's prayers. It comes after days of deadly violence that opposition activists say has claimed the lives of more than 200 civilians. At least 20 people were arrested outside a Donald Trump rally last night in Costa Mesa, California. Vice President Joe Biden says the world is on the cusp of unprecedented scientific discoveries and medical breakthroughs. But he says it's critical not to forget that real people's lives are behind that work. Biden is in Rome speaking about cancer research at the Vatican Conference on Regenerative Medicine. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. David. Michael, thanks very much. This is Bloomberg
0: Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. I'm David Grover. We're going to continue talking with Richard Dobbs of McKinsey about his new report on investment returns here in the next few years. A warning here for pension funds and households. We'll talk more with him in just a moment. Market Drivers Report brought to you by Witham Smith & Brown CPAs. Audit, tax, and advisory services to help your business be in a position of strength. Experience the Witham way by visiting Witham.com.
1: Business News, 24 hours a day,
2: at Bloomberg.com,
1: the Radio Plus mobile
2: app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: And the uh, Bloomberg Futures Report this morning being brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at InteractiveBrokers.com slash CME Group. Uh, U.S. Stock Index Futures, they're slipping ahead of the open uh, of Wall Street. Uh, Chevron falling about 1.5%. It reported wider than estimated loss. Gilead Sciences, that's a retreating at the first quarter profit, missed estimates. They had lower than expected sales of their hepatitis C treatments. Amazon, that's been surging. Uh, they posted better than estimated results. ExxonMobil, little change. Its earnings beat estimates, though it did post the smallest profit since 1999. Yeah, we had the economic report out this morning at 8:30. Showed consumer spending rose less than forecast in March. That wraps up the weakest quarter in a year for the biggest part of the U.S. economy, even as incomes accelerated. And right now, S&P futures are down seven. That's down four tenths of a percent. The Dow futures down 65. That's down four tenths. And the Nasdaq index down 22. The Nasdaq futures. That's down half a percent. The euro, uh, 114.38, so a weakening dollar. The yen also, uh, right now, 107.24, the, uh, the yen getting stronger. That's up about uh, eight tenths, continuing its uh, strength from earlier this morning. And that was a Bloomberg business flash. I'm John Tucker. We bring you market updates every 15 minutes uh, during the trading day, right here on Bloomberg. And David, I feel sorry for you. It's like everybody's abandoned you in the studio. It does feel that way a
0: little bit here. David Gurra on Bloomberg Surveillance,
1: in for Michael
0: McKee, who is on assignment, and Tom Keene enjoying the last few hours of a well deserved vacation. I'm talking with Richard Dobbs. He is a director at McKinsey, author of a new report, Diminishing Returns Why Investors Need to Lower Their Expectations. Let's talk a bit about those expectations now, uh, Richard. You write. Uh, for uh, uh, Many investors have lived their entire professional lives during this golden era, and a long period of lower returns would require painful adjustments. What exactly uh, are you forecasting? What do you think might be coming down the pike?
3: I mean, if, if we look at equities, again, an average portfolio of European and the U.S., equities, we've lived in a world of uh, nearly 8% uh, real returns for the last 30 years. Um, our, our view going forward is that we'll be going into a world of somewhere between 4 and 6%, so 2% is um, 1% to 3% less. Um, and if we, if we look at um, bonds, um, we've, we've lived in this wonderful bond period, 5.5% real returns. Um, our sense going forward is that it'll be you know, somewhere between in the next 20 years 0 and 2%, so much lower returns. Um, and if you look at a sort of portfolio, the portfolio will be about 2 to 4% less than, than we've had over the last um, 30 years. The problem is that the 30 years we've been in has been wonderful. I mean, if you, you know the numbers we have aren't too out of line with what we've seen over the last 100. It's just we had a very good year, but good 30-year period. But it, it's the period most of us use as our benchmark because it's the one we've lived through.
0: You say get used to. What, what does that look like? Uh, to define that for okay. us. A bit. What, what is a pension fund? What <laughs> well, is a okay. house investor okay. going to have to do?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so take a 30-year-old. Um, a 30-year-old now – Um, It is is quite, I mean, in some ways it's quite bleak. A 30-year-old, instead of having to to put in 15% into their pension, maybe should be putting in 20% into their pension and planning to to, to work for another five years, uh, plus also the impact on life expectancy. Um, You know, it it, it requires just, you know, putting in a a bit more money or being prepared to to retire less uh, or less. Um, You know, if you take U.S. – city and state uh, local pensions, employee government, employee pensions. They, they currently believe there's a deficit of about a trillion dollars. Um, unfortunately, they're pretty optimistic on the returns. They assume they're still going to get somewhere between 7 and 8% nominal. Um, when we put our returns in, we think those deficits they have, which you know, everyone's obviously upset, worried about, it, are, are going to be closer to, to, to instead of the $1 trillion somewhere between two and three trillion. And that means that you know, governments are going to have to you know, follow the example of Illinois and have these conversations about either putting in more money or removing benefits or, or other types of measures. And it, it's quite a challenge. Now, there's also you know, the, the third group who are going to be hit by this are, are U.S. Um, educational endowments. Um, we think that uh, payments from some of these educational endowments could fall in total by about $13 billion. Uh, and, and for some universities, that's something like 30,000 a student. You know, These the, the education endowments have really supported a lot of you know, great universities. Those universities can't assume that those, that those payments are going to be still there. Now, that, that, that's sort of the, the negative side of needing to be, um, uh, you know, lower expectations and put more money in and all of that. There is also you know, a positive side that people do need to start thinking through, first of all, the cost base. Um, It's interesting, in the UK there are a lot of very, very small local government pension schemes. They've all been merged into six major funds. About 90 funds have been merged into six to get more cost efficiency. I mean, I I was looking at some of my investments the other day and I discovered I had a whole group that I'd taken out many years ago and I was paying 2% a year charges on it. You know, we all need to sort of, you know, at the personal side and the government side, just have a look at our charges and and, and pay a bit less. And finally, we've got to find other assets. you know, if, if the main large equity markets are not going to do well, we need to think about emerging markets. So, obviously, they have their ups and downs, too. And, and are there opportunities to, to invest in other types of assets, infrastructure, et cetera? and be able to look at that. And finally, if there are funds that are able to deliver alpha consistently, the value of alpha in this world is going to be much higher than the value of a, you know, in a lower beta returns world than it would have been in the higher beta returns world.
0: You know, hearing you talk about college endowments, I'm reminded of some comments that Larry Summers, the, the former president of Harvard, of course, eminent Economist yeah. made just a couple of weeks ago, saying that Harvard, which has paid out about 5% of its endowment for a while now, might have to reevaluate that in, in light of yeah. the rate environment we're in right now.
3: Uh, he, he, his, his, his argument was um, based on the returns you get in on cash, effectively, he was saying cash and bonds. But, you know, we're, we're, we're making the argument that this is also the case on equities. So, so as we would agree with his, his um, decision. And, you know, U.S. educational establishments have had a very wonderful period. Now, obviously, you know, part of what they can also do is use this to try and get more, um, more uh, um, donations from some of their alumni. As an alumni of Stanford, I know how effective they can be. At, you know, asking for more money, but it's, uh, you, know, <laughs> you just need to need to, to to step that up as well because you know the, the returns are going to be less good.
0: Richard, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate that is uh, Richard Dobbs there of McKinsey. He's the author of a new report, Diminishing Returns, Why Investors May Need to Lower Their Expectations. They're published by McKinsey joining us there from London today. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. I'm David Gura in for Tom Keane, who is on vacation. Mike McKee, who is on assignment. More Bloomberg Surveillance coming up here on Bloomberg Radio after a short break. We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.